Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast. That means we have a very special guest for you today. And as a matter of fact, we're having a guest that we've had on the program before. Long, long time ago, over a year ago, when we were new to this whole bringing people on thing, uh, we were trying different people out. And uh, this person, this individual came on as an early guest. But back before we had Zoom or video, uh, YouTube, anything, we were recording through anchor and it was just a disaster most times but he he helped me get through it all uh john lee jr from uh well the eugene area we'll say he'll tell us uh, the exact city he's located in up there in oregon but john lee jr making a return appearance to the program and and i say john lee jr because his father john lee senior uh, is such an extraordinary man i want to make sure that the the two there is a difference between the two differentiate if i if i will um, John's a great John Lee Jr. Uh, himself is, is a great guy himself. Uh, but, but that's probably the last, well, when I introduce him, I'll, I'll probably refer to him as a uh, junior as well. But, uh, John Lee returning to the program an avid listener of the get home safe podcast, a guy that writes in a lot and someone that I am, uh, I, I've grown with as a friend that I'm very uh, happy about all that. Uh, very blessed to be, uh, friends with John Lee Jr. talking with him up in Oregon. And John is going to talk to us today about some of the things going on in Oregon. Yes, there are actually some worse places than California as far as lockdowns and such go. Uh, but we're going to talk about kind of what it's been like the past few months there, uh, specifically with, uh, you know, kind of locking down again, if you will. But also some of the, the serious, in all seriousness, as, as kids go back to school, there's some pretty um, significant issues there. And uh, John will fill us in. He is uh, spearheading really some efforts to um, not have uh, kids up in Oregon be held captive by school, school, uh, city councils and school districts and such. And I'll let him tell you all about that. And then we're also going to get into kind of some theological discussion today. I'm excited about it. Can't wait. I know John has uh, probably been waiting to come on the program, but I'm excited, uh, excited for him to really get into all this and tell me about uh, everything that's going on. So let me not waste any more time. It's a Friday edition of the podcast. Let's get to another fun filled conversation with our guest this week, Mr. John Lee Jr. Joining us all the way up from the Northwest up in Oregon. Okay. Today I'm joined with John Lee Jr. From way up in Eugene, Oregon, just outside of it anyway. And uh, John, lots to talk about today, lots to get to. Uh, it's ha- good to have you back. The last time you were here Thank was you. May, May 18th, man, of 2020. Yeah, it's been a while. A lot has happened since then. Uh, oh. Good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say, man, you don't say. Um, John, you, you've been a, a very big supporter of the podcast. Um, you were, I think, the first Lee brother on. Then we went to your brother, Bill, then to Ken. And then fin- order. In, in the correct order, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, and Ken would say the best for last, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. no. And then, and then it was really exciting for me to have your dad on, um, you yeah. guys or Ken helped put that together. And, um, that was a lot of fun. So what do you make of 
all three Lee brothers and, and your father coming on and, and you really being the first uh, re recurring Lee brother? Well, uh, I, I, obviously, I, I've enjoyed listening to all of their podcasts. Um, and any, I, I long for the day when we can get all of us to do something of this nature. And I, and I know Ken's got some of his own uh, you know, media outlets that he has done some things with us as a family on um, that has been a whole lot of fun doing. <laughs> um, we're actually getting together uh, this weekend. We're, um, I'm leaving out Saturday morning and we are heading out to uh, Park City, Utah, and then up to Yellowstone. Um, and they're driving up from Southern California. We're going to meet there, hang out, like I said, in Utah, and then over in Yellowstone, and then we'll go our separate ways from there. So uh, we'll probably uh, we'll probably do some uh, some videos for Ken stuff at that time. I'm sure. Absolutely, man. That's that's outstanding. Yeah, God's country up there. Uh, that's beautiful land, and we've all been there a time or two on summer trips and such. Uh, but you know, the first time I recorded with you, John, I was still learning. I still am learning. I mean, our our audio kind of froze, and uh, we didn't have the video. So this is much more comfortable, and this is something that I know you and I have talked about wanting to do for a while. Coming, bring you back on the podcast. Yeah, I I I love the podcast. Um, I uh, like you said, faithful listener. Um, I I basically go between you and one other podcast on a regular basis. So uh, you're you're in my top two. I'm honored, man. I really am. I you sent me pictures of you in the car listening with oh, uh, yeah. on the radio screen and such. I mean, I know I know you're a huge fan of uh, Bill Barnes, and you send in questions for him, that lunatic. Uh, but but you know, it finally <laughs> it took time. But I was able to get a few of your uh, of your comrades, your cohorts from your high school days. Dave yes. Joe finally got him. Yes. And you know, we're recording this Thursday, the twenty sixth. Uh, you know who I got coming on tomorrow is is Rod Bazuzzi. So a lot of excitement. Yeah. I am I am looking forward to that one. I hope I hope to uh, hear some stories of of old and of course uh, catch up with what he's doing now. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I have not um, really ever talked to him before. And like, oh, really? Oh, no, I really hadn't. I did, I knew who he was, but he reached out to me randomly on Instagram said, Hey, I started listening to your pod. I really like it. You know? And, uh, you know, I said, well, you got to come on. He said, we'll get Dave Joe and Pete Clark too. I said, I got Dave Joe, Pete yeah. Clark. I, I'm tentatively scheduled. So we'll see how that goes. Good. Good. What, a, what, a, what a guy got to get Pete on. Absolutely. And I saw Pete at the, the Mr. Drain retirement party a few weeks ago. And that dude hasn't lost a step. If you had told me he had a heart attack and was on death's door, no one would believe it. The guy is making jokes and just, I couldn't believe it. Well, I mean, of, of all the people to be able to pull through something of that nature and, and come and come back with as much life as he has. I mean, he, he's the guy, he's the guy. And, and that's the family. That's the mm. family that's going to come back from something like that. Uh, I have so much respect for them and, and, and appreciation for them. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's doing well and um, hopefully many, many more to come because he, uh, he can be the life of the party. Oh my good. You're right about that. I mean, he, he, he spoke at the, the party and then he's on video with the video tribute. I don't know if you saw it. He's joking about returning yes. from the grave. I mean, right. Just, right. <laughs> who does that? So God bless uh, Pete and the, and the Clark family and, uh, Rod Bazuzzi, you'll talk a little bit about them too. Uh, wh but what a guy, Rod Bazuzzi. I mean, never really talked to him to hear about his law enforcement career. Um, 
And you might want to tune in a little bit on video, John, on YouTube, because he, I'm, I'm okay. not kidding. He's got a bench press behind him. He's mid-set while talking to me. It's hilarious. No. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And we talked for two hours. I'm not even kidding. That's You're the first one I've set, told that to, but two-hour wow. conversation. I mean, crazy. Wow. But anyway, um, John, it's been, like I said, over a year now. Um, be honest. What are What are some of your... How do you feel about the direction the, the podcast has gone uh, with different guests? I mean, who have been some guests that have stood out? I mean, your loyal listener, probably the most loyal. Um, what are your, what, what's the state of the union with the podcast? Be honest. So, <laughs> so I love, I love, of course, I got to listen, got to get my Wednesdays in. Yeah. Um, because if nothing else, he makes me, he makes me laugh. Bill makes me laugh with some of the one-liners. Uh, I have no idea where he pulls some of the things he pulls. Um, some of the phrases and everything. So I, I, I do enjoy uh, listening to Bill um, and wrestling with ideas in my mind as he's throwing stuff out and you guys banter back and forth. Uh, I particularly liked, uh, at least of late, where you guys have had a little bit of disagreement on um, some of the uh, the vaccine mandates and various things of that nature. Um, but but again, that that's good. You know, it's, it's good, healthy debate. Healthy. And... Uh, makes makes you think about okay well what do i think about this and why um so love the wednesdays and obviously anytime there's an rhp alum i love to get on and listen to that individual um that's fantastic but honestly some of the ones that i have really enjoyed the most are um some of your contacts through officiating at different levels um those individuals have been intriguing to me because you get to hear a little bit about other people's lives and how uh, some of the things that have been going on, especially over the last year um, and how people are coping and how, um, I don't know, it feels like there's a little bit of a niche almost within that uh, the umpire officiating world. Um, and, and for somebody who uh, didn't have a whole lot of love for officials, uh, quite frankly, um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I may have had a tear too. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's fun to hear, you know, kind of where people are coming from on that side of things. Mm. Um, I've, I've loved listening to that side of it. Um, so that being said, um, you had a guest on earlier this week that I listened to that I was not thrilled that you had on, <laughs> From Pasadena Poly um, to, to, you might as well have told me that I was adopted because I came, I came away from that going, dang it, now I have to respect Polly and the Polly coach. This is, this is undoing everything in my life that was real and true. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, um, but no, I'm, I'm actually... I'm actually looking forward to you having him on the podcast for a legitimate session. Um, it was very interesting to listen to him. Uh, the connections. Um, yeah, I, I really, he's the kind of guy I would like to have as a coach. Yeah. Uh, if I were young again. So anyway, enjoyed him. Well, well I, I believe you you commented on our Facebook page, get home safe podcast and your exact words were John. Well, shoot. Now I have to respect Polly. Thanks for stealing a perfectly healthy hatred from me. 
<laughs> so I, I thought that yes. quote was fantastic because we all we all grew up knowing, you know, hate you hate Polly, you hate Polly. Right. You don't want anything to do with those guys. And then someone like Coach Chris Smoke has nothing but praise for the program, has some amazing um just philosophies himself. And you know what? Sometimes, John, you can learn a thing or two from the enemy. Feels like a setup. Feels like a setup. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap, right? Exactly. Um, uh, but I thought it was hilarious when he started. He was like, yeah, I hope Rio goes nine and one every year. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that sums up everything perfectly. Like, that's yeah. that's great. <laughs> you know, and, and it's interesting. I thought of this listening to the, uh, uh, you know, not being in the same league anymore. It kind of reminds me of like a, a USC Notre Dame has kind of that feel to it. Yeah. Where the rivalry should happen. It has to happen even though they're not in the same league anymore. The game still has to be played. Yes. And when he said we're in the same league, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. And when, and when he said it's the number one, I asked what's some of the rivalry. And he said, it's the number one most important game we do every year. And I was like, that's awesome. And the fact that they want to play Rio in the Coliseum or the Rose bowl. I mean, that's awesome for, for the program. And I know John, you had, was it true uh, back on April 1st when Rio defeated those Panthers uh, in the Rose Bowl, eight to seven, I know, baseball score. Uh, did, did you have yourself a little watch party up in Oregon? We, we definitely did. Uh, it was our family and Steve and his family, Steve Amon, his family. They were over and we had the game on, had the pizza. And uh, yeah, towards the end of the game there on that, on that last drive, I, I still remember it was, uh, they were still probably 30, 35 yards out or whatever. And Steve and I both looked at each other. We're like, if they score hundred percent, Mark's going for two, hundred percent, no doubt in our minds. <laughs> That's so. what was so awesome was that that game, you know, when you get to see the internet uh, broadcasters, you know, people are going to tune in and real Hondo prep football, small school and this and that, but people all around the country and, and even maybe the world for in some instances are tuning in because as I've said many times before on the podcast, uh, I like my Rams. I like USC, you know, I like, you know, whoever, but you still, you still have a better connection with the place you went to school, the place you played, yeah. you put on that helmet before. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Don't know a single guy in the team personally, but root for him as if they were yes. my guy. And the tradition continues. They will do the same, and that's how it should be. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you gave me a little sla- uh, grief about having a, a guy from Polly on, but but I thought it turned out okay, John. It turned out okay. That's the last one. No, no Flint Ridge, no Chadwick. Just oh, those guys? There. No, no, no. Those guys aren't committed to athletics They're, the way Polly no, is. So. Second tier. That's yeah. the second tier. That's that's right. That's JV. JV. Right. Uh, well, John, we got a lot of things to get to today. Um, the main reason I wanted to bring you on is. Uh, you know, you are kind of spearheading an effort right now uh, in, in Oregon um, with some school district, city council, whatever it may be. I'll let you fill us in. But I also wanted to have in some of our texts and things. I wanted to have like a, I don't know, a, a theological discussion with you uh, because I think you're someone who's, who's passionate about it and can understand kind of where I think you you provide answers to people who maybe are either on the fence about their faith or maybe have drifted away or are curious, you know what I'm trying to say? So um, those are kind of the two main topics I want to discuss today, but anything that we dive into, of course, nothing's off the table here. Um, But first off, let's dive into um, some recent news for you. What exactly are you uh, 
leading the charge on uh, there in Oregon? So um, I'll give a little bit of background. Um, obviously, over the last year, uh, with the schools and everything doing what they what what transpired, you know, my kids are at home and they are quite frankly floundering educationally. And you're thinking, okay, well, we're going to get it, it's we're going to come out of the other side of this here at some point, and things are going to get back to normal. And um, you know, my oldest was uh, you know pretty athletic. He was running cross country and track and field. Um, he had aspirations of running collegiately, and all of this is being stolen from him. Um, thankfully, they were able to have a I'll call it a pseudo track season. They had I think it was five track meets in total. Um, he ended up doing well enough that he, he is going to be running collegiately, but that was nearly stolen from him. And that was very motivating for him. So there was that aspect of it. Again, the education was severely hampered uh, on all sides. And um, there just wasn't, I didn't feel like the, the superintendent locally uh, my kids go to the public school. The superintendent and the school board were not fighting to get the kids back in school. That was not their objective. Their objective, and it, it was conveyed in emails, is, well, this is what we are being allowed to do. This is, this is what we are being told to do. And at some point, when you are the steward of lives, you have to step out and risk. You have to, you, you signed up for this job, so it's time for you to push back. If you care about these kids, push back. I'm not saying do anything illegal or anything of that nature, but scratch and claw. Find a way to help these kids to get a legitimate education and not this token education. If, if I walk into my living room and I see my son playing a video game as he is looking past his computer screen, fully engaged, fully engaged in the class and passing, but yet be able to play a video game at the same time. Of course, I cut it off and said, hey, turn it off. But if he if if he's capable of doing that, then he's not being educated. So I'm watching all of this transpire. We're coming into this new year and it's more of the same up here in Oregon as it was last year. Um, they're going to have the kids wear masks, um, which that in itself isn't a, a deal breaker necessarily, but there's no need for these kids to be wearing masks all day. That's not healthy for them. It's not. People can argue that all they want, but it's not healthy for a child to wear a mask all day long. So there's that aspect of it. The, uh, uh, the graduation requirements recently here in Oregon are being, have been altered. Um, and quite frankly, my opinion are being dumbed down. Um, that blew my mind, John, when I heard that, that they were lowering the requirements now, I mean, you graduated high school, your wife, family, everyone. Now it's like, I mean, not to say your kids couldn't fulfill requirements, but now you almost look at that diploma as like, does this mean as much as it once did? No, not even close. So here's, here's, here's an example of, of how bad the education is. If I take my kids out and I put them in uh, a homeschool setting, the the 
they take they have to take a test to continue to uh, you know progress through the through the system, if you will, to show that they're being educated. I'll give you I'll give you one guess, and I'll I'll, I'll let you I'll give you a wide berth of percentage, which is what percentage do you think they have to score on their test to pass and move on to the next grade level? One to, of one test, uh, or you get a hundred, uh, hundred, yeah, zero to one hundred. Hundred being a perfect score on the test. What uh, percentage do you have to get to pass and move to the next grade? I'm gonna go low and say fifty percent. That's not low. The answer is sixteen percent. Oh my! One six. Sixteen. Yeah. One six. Sixteen percent. That's all they have to score on the test to be able to move on to the next grade. If you are in a private homeschool setting. Not private school, a homeschool setting. Oh, you wow. Take, yes. It's absurd. So I, I look at all of these things going on. I go, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sit by and wait for something to happen. So I was grousing with another individual, another father locally about it. And we were going back and forth. And it was kind of like, we're both looking at each other and say, you know what? why are we still whining and complaining about this? Let's do something about it. So we started reaching out and uh, in various forms or fashions, reaching out to a variety of individuals within the community and say, Hey, this is what, this is what we want to do. We want to get a gathering. We have some ideas of what we think it should look like, but we want to get a group of parents who are willing to step up and do something for their kids. Um, and, and we had a bunch of ideas of, of how we, we thought it should look. Um, and ultimately, right now, I think we have, uh, I think the number is 42, 42 parents, 42 sets of parents um, that are pulling their kids out of the public school. And we are going, we have, I think there's nine different uh, homeschool curriculums that we have links for. Uh, various charter schools, because what what we're not trying to do is dictate to these families how and what they should be educating their children on. What we want is to provide an avenue for the parents to be able to control their child's destiny in that regard, as far as their education is concerned, to put the control back into the parents' hands as it should be. So, we have a we have a website and, and all of the again all the links are on there for the various school uh, options um, and ultimately we are creating pods um, where uh, if we have enough kids we will have a pod of all seniors of all juniors if we don't have enough then it'll be juniors and seniors combined or juniors and sophomores combined it just depends how many kids total are able to. Uh, be in these different uh, age brackets because the goal ultimately is the educational emotional and relational flourishing of the kids number two is to have our voices heard so when we pull these kids out there is a financial hit to uh to the local school um 42 parents 42 sets of parents um Get my little calculator here. Say, say it's two kids per. It's eight thousand dollars that that goes to the school. 
times 8,000, what is that? Uh, $656,000 worth of state funding that gets pulled. Um, and that's, that's a way for our voice to be heard. Um, I don't think protests do a whole, whole lot anymore. I think people are kind of burnt out and they don't listen. It's just, it's just another protest. You know, other than a cool cardboard sign, what do you really get out of it? Um, so we're not, we're not going that route. Um, we're looking to make an impact. Um, and this is kind of our way to do it. So um, the flourishing of the kids, uh, the voice is heard by having an impact. And lastly, trying to have as little impact on the families associated with this as possible. Um, and we had a, a, a gathering um, about a week and a half ago. And uh, no, actually it was a week ago, a week ago, exactly. And the, the whole thing is this is going to take sacrifice. Um, there's no way that we can do something of this nature and it not, it not uh, necessitate people to actively be involved. You know, for years, we've dropped our kids off at the bus stop and basically handed them off to the public school system to babysit and educate them until three o'clock. And that day has come and gone and we have to get involved now as parents. And so we are gathering a list of folks that are, um, can shuttle because some parents, again, some parents, you get two parent households that might work, you know, both, both parents are working. So we, we have people that will be driving kids to different places um, we're going to be having uh, different people open up their homes to be able to house. We have a couple people who uh, one, we had one. I just had one this morning. Um, he's a concrete guy. He says, I, I have a shed um, that I was going to build in the backyard here in the next month. We can make it into a, a pseudo schoolroom. So everybody's going to have to step up in this regard. But the whole objective, like I said, is how do we make this? a better situation for our kids because they're going to be robbed um, of all of these things. And the other thing that we've been working hard on is making sure that there are still the extracurricular options for the kids, sports, music, yes. drama, you name it, all of those things. Um, and so we have a bunch of different connections in that regard. Um, homeschoolers still have local access to their public school to be able to do the sports and the music and the drama. Um, so anybody that does the true homeschool has that ability. Um, charter schools, I think is a little bit different because functionally it's still a public school and there are some hurdles to jump through there, but um, we're working through that. And uh, you know, it, it's hard on the kids because um, they don't always understand it, especially the younger ones. Um, my oldest boy, um, well, my oldest boy is now in college, but uh, the oldest boy that's still in the public school system, uh, he's he's on he's on board for uh, for it a hundred percent. He said, "Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with the public school anymore. Get me out." <laughs> so he he was the easy one. But Good. anyway, that's 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 basically what we're doing. Um, it's a, it's been a learning process. It's, it's a, it's been a big bite to, uh, to chew. Um, and it feels like a very large responsibility, uh, for the impact that it could have on, on 
uh, like I said, 42 families and their lives. So, uh, yeah. Well, John, I applaud your courage, man. Um, this is going on all over the country. So there has to be kind of a motivating factor in that and that you're seeing it in other places. Um, I know that, you know, homeschooling always had this like connotation really of like, Oh, you're a homeschool kid. Right. But right. I don't think it is, has that stigma anymore. Now it is like, okay, you got out for a reason. And I know like I'm a big uh, Dennis Prick, you know, I got my Prager U shirt on here. He's very big on this, get kids out of public school, uh, no matter the cost. Uh, I've heard Candace Owens say it. a lot of different commentators and, and uh, podcast radio hosts talk about it, but to your point, it's not easy. Right. To families that work, uh, my, both my parents work. That's why Care Youth League was so beneficial to me. And Real Hondo Prep is is going to a place where I could they trusted, you know. And so, um, uh, man, it, it, it's got to be difficult for you. Like like you take the guy who who built the shed. You got to be able to contribute any way you can. You got to fight if if you really do feel that the, the school system, the public school system is a, is a threat, which I know you guys do and hitting them in the pocketbook to, to kind of sum up everything. That's really the only language people understand sometimes. Right. Right. And that's, and that's just it. Is it, you know, because quite frankly, the, the school boards aren't listening. Um, they're not listening. And, and until, until it makes an impact to them, you could have a hundred parents stand in line and get their five minutes of pounding the podium, and it doesn't have an impact. And so you have to, you have to do something that has an impact that still carries with it some ethical and moral uh, weight behind it. Versus, again, you know, do you know? Like I said, protests really don't go far, and there's no sense in getting in somebody's face. That's not going to do anything anymore. Uh, but but yeah, like I said, the school boards are legitimately not listening. And, and I know me personally, um, I was I was emailing the board on a pretty regular basis, um, trying to get answers on certain things. And, you know, even so far as asking about um, critical race theory and things of that nature, uh, because the board meetings themselves were not accessible because it COVID supposedly uh. So they wouldn't even have an open form. It was just, you can email your question. And if they got to your question, they would get to it. So I would send emails on a regular basis asking all these questions. And, and I was not the only one, but I was one of multiple individuals who received an email from the school board lawyer saying that I was asking too many questions, which could be perceived as harassment. Therefore, I'm no longer welcome to email the board. So apparently asking too many questions uh, about my children's education is not appropriate. And they don't want to hear my voice anymore. So um, they're not done hearing my voice. They're just going to hear it in a different way. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm not trying to start a, a revolution or anything, but, uh, you know, we all have to use the weapons that, that we can to combat what we've really seen this past year, maybe maybe eight months or so, arguably, but you know, you know, I'm not talking violence or anything. I'm talking just right. the right. weapons to combat what is being thrown at us. I mean, what kids are taught in school these days, and also not taught, 
is mind boggling to me. I hear, I hear stuff every day about what's in the classroom. Uh, meanwhile, I heard up in Oregon, you know, uh, math is racist or something, you know, was it two, Apparently. two, two plus I was like, two plus two is four. What the right answer is racist. Like, I don't understand how that has anything to do with that. So all, all uh, this time, my dad's been a racist. Who knew <laughs> those math teachers, man, I tell you, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, we, we joke about it, but unfortunately, John, I've heard all kinds of news from Oregon. I live in, uh, uh, the, the socialist Republic of California, which you used to, and, uh, or commie, California, as they say, but, um, yeah. you know, Oregon has made headlines quite a bit as well. It's been crazy. I, I don't understand. I, yeah, I, th- I thought, well, there's a lot I thought about moving up here and I've, I've never, I never thought I would move out of California. And once we moved up here and kind of started getting settled in, it's like, I actually really like it up here and I like the people. And sometime in the last five to eight years, it has just become insane and I am legitimately looking at other options and going, where, where are we going to move to? Because I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I can continue, um, you know, living in a place like the, the, uh, the people's Republic of Oregon. So. <laughs> now, I, I heard the other day, John, I mean, you're, your beloved governor, and I say the say that begrudgingly, but your your governor is mandating out mandating outdoor masks now because the cases are spiking. Now Florida and Texas get all the media coverage because they've lifted all this stuff, and so you know we're always pinpointing their their case levels, uh, or, or their case, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but Oregon, Hawaii, they don't get any kind of uh, coverage when they have some of the most severe lockdowns uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I apparently up here, uh, the the uh, the virus is kind of like fog. It's just floating in the air, so you have to wear it at all times. You got to wear the mask at all times. It's everywhere. It's not it's not a person to person transmittable disease. It's just floating in the air, and you need to wear the mask everywhere you go. Yeah. So I, I saw photos. I think of maybe it was you sent me, or there were some other photos floating around. But like uh, your your oldest son, he said he ran track kids running track. There was a kid who passed out like just before the finish line running with a mask on him. It's like, what are we doing? Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's legit. That was, that was in Prineville um, where the kid collapsed right at the finish line. Um, And she, she actually said, she goes, yeah, all of a sudden I just kind of blacked out and uh, and down she went. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in, insane things um, like uh, with wrestling, um, they were allowing wrestling to take place and they didn't have to wear the mask during the meet, but they didn't want them to shake hands at the end of the match because, <laughs> because they might give each other the virus. I'm like, um, if they didn't give it to each other during the match itself, I doubt the handshake is going to uh, be the thing that uh, puts it over the edge. And, and I mix up the two if it's Oregon or Washington, but because uh, they're kind of the same. But like there was, I think it was high school football last year. Weren't, weren't masks required on the players under their yes. helmets or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That was that was here in Oregon. That was here oh. in Oregon. <laughs> like, yep. And a team stormed off the field because they thought the coaches were like, their players are trying to kill us because they're not wearing masks. It's like, this is insanity. Yeah. What do yes. we do? I mean, no, it it doesn't make any sense. Um, and and there's 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 so much about the response that is 
uh, is just posturing, um, is political theater. Um, you know, I, I, I don't understand where all of that comes from, but uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a follower in that regard. So uh, yeah, I, not- I unfortunately enjoy a good fight here and there. <laughs> Well, that uh, probably has something to do with your last name and uh, your first, uh, might, yeah, might. you know, just a little bit, but uh, that, that's cool, man. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. God bless you for, for doing that. I know more and people are doing it. Um, I can't imagine. You said your oldest son graduated. You have two other teenagers. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Uh, yeah. Seventh going into seventh and going into junior. Okay. So some big years of coming for them. And um, I think what a lot of people are coming up against with this whole pulling their kids out of school is if not now, then when, right? Yep. Like how much worse could it get, which is a scary thought, but it, right. you know, if not now, then when. Right. And they're, they are, you know, you, you look at it and you say, okay, well, it's, it's just two weeks to slow the spread. It's just a mask. It's just a vaccine. It's just, it's just what, when is the, just this, you know, it's it's the boiling frog process here that that's going on, and um, you know, at some point you say, okay, well, you know, I I, th- I think it was my dad texting me here something about uh, there is scuttlebutt that they are going to push for uh, private schools who are not teaching critical race theory to have their accreditation removed now that's scuttlebutt. I don't know if that will ever come to fruition, but what it tells you is they're looking to control. They are looking to control the education of the kids. And it is, it is a play out of every fascist nation's playbook is to come for the youth, re-educate the youth. And quite frankly, the kids are being conditioned right now into subjection. Because I'll see kids wearing masks more than I'll see people of my age wearing a mask out and about because the kids are obedient. They, they, it's, it's just a mask. It's not that big of a deal. And they don't understand, they don't understand the slow play. They don't understand the long-term effects that relinquishing your freedoms one by one results in it's, it's, uh, it's animal form all over again if you've ever read that book well well and to a to to an extent it's also you know they're 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 young they're they have fragile minds they're 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 oh you know we train them at a young age hey you need to do what you're told to your superiors now we have these superiors that are telling them to do things and for some of them i've seen kids they're like if i take my wait i i have if i take this mask off i might die like that's in their mindset and that's to manipulate children like that I mean, there's a lot of evil going on around. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep it to our country here. Uh, and, and the whole manipulation of children and propagandizing children or whatever it's supposed to, the, the phrase is, uh, is evil in the purest form because you and I came from an organization that was trying to build up kids and train them to be better leaders and adults, not to, uh, as, as, uh, as you said, um, you know, manipulate their, their mind minds because they are so fragile and, uh, you know, the innocence really of children is just has been under attack constantly, uh, in, in, right. especially in schools for years now. Correct. And, and school has become a 
a place to teach kids what to think instead of how to think. And it needs to be reversed. Kids need to know how to think through and come up with the correct uh, course of action based off of their ability to critically think through something. That's what education is supposed to be. It's not, you don't teach kids what to think about every situation because then you're just creating robots, which again, I think that's part of the end game is to create little obedient servants and people who will do what they're told when they're told how they're told. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit idly by and let that happen in my little tiny neck of the woods up here. And we'll, you know, we're seeing it across the country in various places and uh, we'll hope, hopefully it grows. Yeah. Well, I'm curious where you, uh, you learned all that, uh, you know, stepping uh, outside, thinking outside the box and and stepping off the ledge, being a leader. I mean, wherever you learned all those things, John, uh, you know, definitely uh, pass them along to others because that's uh, that's uh, (laughs) great, great traits to have. Uh, As again, talking to so many Rio Hondo grads, I constantly see the the results of kind of the big the game uh, results of the 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 few the you know what was being planned all along as far as training kids to become great young adults to become leaders in their adult life and 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 really i mean you can't argue with the results i mean you and your brothers who we've talked about rob bazuzzi coming on the program on friday uh, a lot of guys in police work a lot of nurses a lot of just coaches i mean uh what real hondo and care youth league has has done uh and and really shaped young adults to, to serve others uh, is pretty extraordinary. And I wish there were more care youth leagues and real hondo preps out there. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully again, hopefully some of this stuff will, will, will take root and uh, parents will start uh, again, re reclaiming control of their kids' lives, recognizing that the, the public school system is not, uh, not a good um, tool to help your kids grow. Uh, not anymore, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that be private school, whether that be a, a homeschooling co-op, um, a charter school, whatever the case may be, parents need to be actively involved in the raising of their children, in the character formation of their children, um, because all of this changes in a generation and we, we can see the results of, of a, a, a passive generation right now. Um, you know, the, the country is what it is right now with all of its chaos um, because we've handed out too many trophies and things of that nature. <laughs> well, well, I kind of want to tie in our, our other subject here with that. And, and, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, as, as the country has gone away from kind of our Judeo-Christian values, uh, you know, we've drifted away from that. I think society has become um, a, a lot worse. I mean, you can't argue with the results. Now, uh, yeah. we used to we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance, maybe even say a prayer in schools. Now, those things are completely off the table, and those are right. just a couple of examples. So, I know I talked to you about some. Uh, you know, theological questions here, or, or I kind of gave you some prep and I know John, you're a guy that is loves to be prepared, failing to prepare is preparing to fail as, there you as, go. as we've learned before. So you got a ton of notes ready to go with this. I do. I'm ready. Hit okay. Me. So John, why is it, 
well, where do I go? Okay. You see this in people, but, but we've seen it in schools, uh, government even. And I know we're supposed to have the separation of church and state, you know, blah, blah, blah. But so, so where, what are your thoughts there on, okay, we're supposed to be separation of church and state, but also our founding, I mean, in God, we trust, I read it somewhere. Uh, there, there was a, you know, I think it was on some currency somewhere. I mean, it's also such a big part of our foundation and our, I don't know, our society really is kind of our religious background, Christianity background, mostly. So how do you, I don't know, combat or kind of argue that it is important for us to have uh, Christian values really in our nation when you got another side of the, uh, of the, of the aisle saying, no, 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 separate it all. We can't have that. Right. So first there is nowhere in our founding documents that says anything about the separation of church and state. Nowhere. That phrase was used in a letter um, from Jefferson. So number one, it's that, that, that phrase has been misused mm. um, over the last probably 50, 60 years. Um, beyond that, when you look at our founding documents, um, it talks about freedom of religion but there's there's a very uh, distinct difference between freedom of religion and freedom from religion, if that makes sense. Now, yes. there is I can I can be in office, and I can hold Christian values, and I can push Christian values, and I can pray, and I can do all of those things as a citizen elected to office. That does not mean that that individual is promoting or that the office itself is promoting a religion so um i mean we can we can get way into the weeds on on this one um but the you know uh, when you when you look at the founding fathers with all of their their qualities and with all of their flaws they recognized that a healthy nation is a moral nation they recognized that and the references to God and his sovereignty and that our rights are not derived from the government. They are derived from God. The government's job is to make sure we don't lose those God-given rights. That's the government's role with it when it comes to rights. And so that's why I, I have some issues with, with you know, the mandates and things of this nature, because there are rights that are being stripped away. Um, and that's not the government's job. The government's job is not to, you know, protect us from every possible whatever. Um, so, uh, I, I think there's a, a, a little bit of a issue where the government is, has begun over the last, however long it's been now, um, stepping into the role of God and, declaring themselves as the one to dictate what rights individuals have and people i mean you, you see it you see it in the election cycle there is a religious fervor behind whatever candidate is up for uh, up for office and how they follow the individual who is currently in office or was in office and all that. there is a religious fervor behind it 
Uh, and part of that is because government has slipped into a role that it really had no place being in in the first place. That, that's that make- uh, yeah, that that's really good stuff. And you know, uh, for example, I mean, I I think it is important for our society to to have these uh, to to kind of uh, uh, embrace our traditions. We'll say, um, but I also understand that like when there's a fire. <laughs> I don't absolutely need a Christian fireman to show up. The dude's an atheist. I just want him to do the job, protect me, save me from a burning building. So uh, as far as our leaders go, while I think it is valuable, if kind of that is their foundation and and their belief system, because it's similar to mine um, and generations before us, uh, I don't think it's necessarily um, absolutely uh, needed. However, I do think there is benefit to us when we're not afraid to talk about God. We're not afraid to talk about religion. I mean, if, even if you're not religious, let's look at the 10 commandments. Is there anything on there that someone who's an atheist would argue with maybe one or I don't know, one or two or half of one. I don't know, but like, that's probably the first two, probably the first. Yeah. Those are pretty good guidelines though, as far as, right. Okay. I don't believe in God, but yeah, this makes sense. Right. 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 There's 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 value. There's value in the 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 moral baseline within Christianity. Um, and, and I think the problem is it's the old there. You know, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater when people look at Christianity and say, we can't have that infiltrating our society. And they're saying every everything about it is bad. It's no different than than. Um, some of the issues going on when it comes to uh, race within this country. They're saying, oh, well, there were racists within our founding, the founding of our nation. Therefore, everything about our nation needs to be undone and thrown away. It, you, you, and it, it doesn't compute. And, you know, to your, to your point, you know, the Ten Commandments, uh, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, honor your parents. Uh, these are good things. There's no reason why we shouldn't all be <laughs> desiring those types of behaviors out of people. Well, I think that the people who are skeptical of religion and Christianity, they they often they paint it with a broad brushstroke, and they just they think that well, they feel this way about this group of people, or they preach hate, or uh, you know, they want you to pursue uh, living for others instead of a good career or whatever. Like, I think ultimately, John, people see what they want to see. They don't have an open mind and an open heart, even though that's preached to us today on a daily basis, you know, open right. your hearts to everyone. Right. Everyone, but <laughs> they never say that, but that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's the reality of it. So I, I want to ask you, Let's see, maybe you can tie this in here. Help me out here. Um, what what makes people no, okay, I'll ask it this way. What makes people drift away? And I am saying the word religion. You can, you know, we could say Christianity if you want, but but it, I think it goes to all faiths really. But what what makes people drift away from their faith? And then also, what makes people drift towards faith? People that never really considered it, but then later in life they find it. What is your experience? Is your thoughts on the people who were in it but drifted away, and then those who were never in it but were drawn to it? Um, I, 
I think anything that we place value on, we, we pursue. So the, the reality is if somebody is drifting from faith, then they have lost their perception of the value of what it is that they were pursuing prior. They don't see it as precious to them anymore. And um, I know for me personally, you know, anytime that I have, uh, you know, behaved outside of the, the tenets of my faith within Christianity, it's always because I've lost, I've lost that, uh, that bit of being enamored with Christ and being captured by, you know, by the glory of God, if you will. And so when, when, when that is, it's the old, um, uh, what is that? Um, U- Ulysses and Odysseus, I think is, is the story where, where they're, they, uh, they're going through, uh, where the sirens are at and oh, Ulysses is tied to the mast because he wants to hear him. Well, he's, he is desiring the sirens, even though he is tied to this mast, he can't get to it. Uh, the rest of the sailors have earplugs in, whereas Odysseus, he hires the the greatest harp player in the world, the, and the harp player is playing such beautiful music that the sirens don't call to him and his crew. He is so enamored with the music being played that he doesn't drift to the sirens and ultimately to the rocks to his destruction. It's because there is something that is more important that he continues, that he's focused on. And so when people drift from faith, it's because they have lost something of the value of what it was that was within that faith. Now, the question is, was the value really ever there? Or was it manufactured by circumstance, uh, obligation? You know, I mean, you see this all the time with, with kids that grow up in the church well, there's, there's an obligation. I, I grew up in the church. I, I'm, I, we go on Sundays and then Wednesday nights for this. And, you know, I'm, I don't cuss. I don't do this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. The question is not what are you removing from your life to adhere to all of these things, but do I desire the things of God? Do I desire those? Because if you desire something, you're going to pursue it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just human nature. We do, we do what we want. We chase after what we want. That's the reality of it. So, um, you know, and I, 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 I tell people that all the time. It's like, we always do what we want all the time. People say, well, no, I, I was forced to do this. Really? Tell me something that you were, tell me something you were forced to do. I'm going to, let's try this. Tell me something that you did that you didn't want to do. Well, I can think of a few things that uh, at CARE when I was in RHLA, uh, <laughs> that were the case. Good. Name, 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 name the thing. Name the thing. Um, okay. I, I like had this secret. I despise like setting up for things, whether it be a, a wedding, yes. uh, e- even, even CARE Youth Church. Uh, youth Church Saturday nights, I was like, we had to do this every other week or whatever. And I know I'm supposed to have a, a, a you know, my heart shouldn't be this way, but I was just like, 
let's just get this done. And then people would make it in the social hour. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. And then I started to get bitter and my heart would be hardened. I'm like, I'm setting up a church service. I shouldn't feel this way, but that was me. I mean, so you were forced to do something you didn't want to do. Correct. Yeah. What was the alternative? I could have left. I could have left the organization and walked away and been somewhere. Been like, did you want to stay in the organization? So I, I made the choice to get through it, to do it because I wanted to stay there. Coach. I felt called there. Yeah. I see your point. You wanted to do something more than the thing that you didn't want to happen. Yes. You chose a want over a different one. You, you wanted both. You wanted mm-hmm. not to do the thing to have to set up, but you also wanted to stay in the organization at that time. So you made a choice of one want over another. Well, like college, same thing. I mean, I didn't want to go to class. I started to get fed up with it. I was like, I don't want to do this, but I knew ultimately the goal was, okay, you want to graduate. You want to get this done, right? You don't want to be a failure. Like get it done. I did. No one was forcing me to go to class. No one right. was forcing me to, to turn in things on time, but ultimately the end result was, well, you have a choice. You can walk away from this. You can be a dropout or finish. And right. so to your point, I there was something that, right. And there was, because there was something that you valued. Yes. You saw the value in something that was greater than this other thing that might have been a want also, but you gave the one up for the one that was of greater value. So when we drift from faith, it's because primarily the thing that we thought there was value in, we look at and go, I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, well, and for you, John, you've been married many years now. You have three kids. I mean, uh, you know, family man and everything, you're, you know, a great career. I mean, there's gotta be things on a daily basis that you do that you don't want to do. You're like, I don't want to go do this. You know, whatever it is, it could be the trash, the dishes, picking up a kid. I don't know. It could be anything, but you ultimately know that. I don't know, in a way, what you signed up for this and you know, it benefits you in some way, right? Well, there is because, because I value my wife and I value. So uh, to bring it back to Christianity, when, when you go through uh, the, the book of Ephesians, towards the end of the book, it, it talks about, um, you know, the, the various roles. And one of the things it says, husbands, love your wives in the same manner as Christ loved the church. Hmm. Well, how, how did Christ love the church? Well, he died. He gave up everything. He gave up his position within heaven to stoop down, to become man to die a humiliating death for the redemption of his church because he loved mankind. He was willing to step down and sacrifice, sacrifice. himself. Yes. Sacrifice. He, they were he valued humanity so much that he was willing to go to that length. So that's the calling of a husband is I love her so much. I willing to take out the trash is not that big of a sacrifice no absolutely yeah when you when you compare it but that's the calling take out the trash you know do the dishes do do the things because i love her not out of obligation because if it's out of obligation then there's going to be resentment that's a good point like doing something because you have to this is a great discussion i i I, i'm going to look at things a little differently now like Oh, I got to go do this. Well, do you really have to? 
you don't have nope. to it's nope. up to you to it so that's good i gotta use that one i'm gonna use that one for sure um man we all learn things here on the podcast um let me see here we wrote down a few things and just kind of brainstorming um this is one that's always interested me john and i know uh again we we know each other but not that much in depth right. or whatever background wise and everything um i've always found this this one to be interesting when when god speaks to you mm. you know we've all seen feel the dreams kevin costner hears the voice uh you know jokingly it's like it's like is it like that or is it do you see signs do you feel a conscience tugging at your something tugging at your heartstrings like what is it in your experience was when because because there are times i'll be honest i thought god was talking to me and maybe it was just my own little ambition or whatever. So what was your, what's been your experience with that? So, so you don't hear voices then? Uh, no, yeah, me neither. I don't. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> um, so that's an, I think that's a really interesting question because um, I, I think it's rare um, that God would speak audibly. Um, now, if he's God, can he? If he's God, yes. If he really, you know, if if, God, if he's the God of the universe, then yes, he can. So um, the question is, how many times did God speak in the Bible? People always say, well, does God speak to you? you go, okay, well, did he speak often in the Bible? Um, how long were the Egyptian, or, uh, was, were the Jews in Egypt and in slavery? Oh, without man. 400 years so i would say 200 yeah 400 years okay 400 years with nothing radio silence <laughs> the between the book of malachi and the book of matthew another 400 years of silence wow so when you when you think about it when you actually go and you you look at the bible and you look at the the length of time that the old testament was there really isn't a lot of god speaking audibly within that um so it's it's a it's it's a it's a it's a difficult if it's a difficult uh it's a difficult subject because because again we don't always know for certain for certain that was god speaking to me now people um i i think prayer is an interesting uh, i've struggled with prayer i'll be honest with you prayer is tough Prayer is tough because it's a one-way conversation in large part because <laughs> you're not, again, you're not hearing, you know, you're not, there's not a back and forth. There's not a dialogue like we're doing. Feedback. Yeah. Um, and really what I have come to understand what prayer is, is trying to, uh, the goal is to align my will with God's will. Uh, and I, I think the, the reading of the Bible obviously helps to understand what his will is. Um, and I, I think, uh, I think that's the beginning of it. Um, but no, I've, I've never heard God speak. I have obviously, uh, through my conscience, um, through understanding of the Bible and had that, that, uh, I'll say the voice in the back of my head saying, no, 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 you know, better than that. Uh, that's all, that's always been there. But uh, does God get, does God speak to us? Um, yes, and and I think here here's the the thing. 
when you look at the Old Testament and all of the all of the things that transpired in that time frame, you jump forward to the book of Hebrews, um, which does a lot of referencing into the Old Testament, a lot, hence hence the title of the book. But it starts it starts like this. I'm, I'm just going to read this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he, had, he has spoken to us by his son. So the purpose of God speaking throughout the Old Testament in various ways and fashions and forms um, and actions ultimately was all pointing to one event, which was this which was Jesus coming and ultimately the cross where salvation occurred for mankind. So in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So it's, it's talking about Jesus's grandeur and all of this. And then it says, after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high so there's this speaking to us throughout the course of the the jewish history now people get wrapped up in in the in the jews being the chosen people I mean that's who god was saving no the objective was the saving of mankind the vessel of that message was the israelite nation that was the vessel in the in the in the book of Hebrews. It, it, it changes and say, says the vessel is now the church. It is the people of Christ that are now that vessel to display his message. So uh, I'm kind of going off in the weeds here a little okay. bit. So the thing that I find very interesting about this passage is, is it says after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So when you look at the the temple back in the day for the jews there was a progression of worship it started at the gate you would go through and there was uh what they called the showbread uh there was the lampstand there was the water and if you remember all of jesus's statements he says i am the way meaning i am the gate he says i am the bread of life i am the light i am uh to the woman at the well uh, I will give you living water. So he makes all of these statements and he's basically taking, walking us through this progression of worship to the very end, which takes you into the, the very deepest part of the temple, which is the Holy of Holies place where once a year, the high priest would make a sacrifice for the sins of the nation, the totality of the people. And that happened once a year, but it was continuous. It was continuous, and that was the thing. There was no furniture in that inner room minus the Ark of the Covenant. There was no chair. So when it says, when Jesus made purification for our sins, which is the exact terminology it uses with the high priest, it says he made purification for our sins, and he sat down. It basically is telling us there is an end to this continual need for sacrifice for sins. It acknowledges sin, but it's saying we don't need to keep going through this practice. 
at the cross, he says, it is finished. And this is exactly what he is referencing. So when it says that Jesus spoke to us in these last days, what it's saying is, I did it. I'm here to rescue you. This is, this is the method of how you are saved from eternal destruction. So when, when Jesus speaks, it's not necessarily an audible voice, but they say uh, ac actions speak louder than words. This is the ultimate in communication. Took a long time to get there, but. Wow. No, I, I, I uh, love the prep work and uh, yeah, getting, getting to the point there. That's uh, powerful stuff. And, you know, I, I often remember that uh, my buddy Renzo Royale did a, a poem about uh, Elijah and the still small voice. And it was uh, something that was just so powerful. Renzo did a, did a great job with that uh, and how sometimes in, in theory, it is this small voice, this, okay. It's not really a voice, but it's something right. that is inside you that, you know, um, you've known all along right. to, to an extent. And it's just like, Okay. Yeah, I should. Um, I gotta be honest, John, a lot of times I pray the most are when I'm afraid, when I'm scared and yep. yes, I'm, I'm 36 and, and yes. But what, I, what, but why do you pray when you're scared? What do you, what do you recognize in that moment? Uh, a fear you, you, that, that I need something more than me. I need yes. protection. I need, yes. right. There's a, right. There's a need that needs to be filled by somebody outside and greater than yourself. Yes. And so when we when we see ourselves rightly with within the the light of what God says is is sin and what our needs are in that regard it will cause us to pray more because we will recognize I I can't get through I can't get through a day on my own living correctly yeah and so when we reckon, the more we realize that, the more we realize our need, the more we are driven to pray and say, hey, I'm about to go into this meeting and this guy is really pressing my buttons. I'm going to, I'm going to, God, I need, I need your spirit to calm my spirit so that I can speak truthfully, but that I can speak it with love and respect instead of just wanting to verbally punch somebody in the mouth <laughs> so no ultimately i mean thy thy will be done i think is something that it, i mean should really be in every prayer not just the lord's prayer but like we we selfishly request things we want things hey i want this promotion or i i want uh i don't know i want whatever and it's just like but but uh, but your will right and and it's often it's funny how, do we really mean that? Do we, you know, <laughs> right. it's that inner struggle. Like, I know it's your will, but I really, really want this, you know, almost yeah. like a kid at Christmas time, uh, asking Santa for something, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, these, these are great, great topics here, John. Um, appreciate you diving into it with me because I got, yeah, there's times, I mean, my faith has been questioned over the years. Definitely. I think that where a lot of people to kind of come back to it, where people either drift away from their faith or are drawn to faith unfortunately is like when tragedy strikes when something right. negative happens to us or loved ones it's like is there really a god there does he care and then yep. on the other side i think people get drawn to him to religion to christianity because 
there's this emptiness. They feel like they have no, nothing left, no other path to right. go to. So that's my take on kind of yes. why that happens. No. And, and, and again, it's in those moments that we recognize I don't have control and I, I need, I need something greater than myself. And that, I think that it is, it is those moments, you know, that, like they say, there's no atheists and foxholes, you know, it's, it's oh, in those moments that, good. that we're looking for rescue. Hmm. I need somebody to rescue me. And the, the unfortunate part is most of the time we only recognize it in a temporal way. We're looking at the, the uh, uh, you know, the here and the now, you know, today I need help. I, there's this diagnosis, you know, you know, we would, as a family up here, we went through a, a really rough patch. Um, you know, my wife, Stephanie and, and her brother, Steve, Om, and their, their dad passed away here not too long ago. Um, two weeks later, their mom fell and broke her pelvis in two places. She moved in with us while she was in the healing process. Within a week of her moving in, I went into surgery to remove. Uh, I had uh, apparently had quite the quarry in my in my gallbladder, <laughs> and uh, so I had gallbladder surgery. They removed it, and but it was that whole process of of dealing with that. And then, you know, shortly after that. You know, I hear about Pete Clark going down. And so I have I have this, um, you know, this this struggle of all of these negative things happening almost all at once. I mean, it was week upon week upon week where things were happening. Um, I actually uh, I don't know if I can find it quick enough, but I, I, I wrote a poem in the midst of all that because um, I, I felt like. Um, you know, when you look at, when you look at time and the time that we have available, it is very, very fleeting. And I had a conversation with somebody. We actually started a, a church uh, service at our home uh, because I was, I was frustrated with uh, the church we were going to in their, um, their, uh, they just weren't pushing to, to worship and, and come together. Yeah. And I thought that there was value in that. Um, so I, I wrote a poem. I haven't found it yet. Give me just a second. Um, yeah. The theologian and the poet, John Lee. How about you, man? That's awesome. The, the, the poems are rare. And when they do come, they, they come really quickly. Mm. Um, all right. So here we go. Time is an illusion. It lies right to our face. We come and we go, leaving hardly a trace. Some become heroes and legends of the past, but nothing is forever. Nothing really lasts. The hourglass tips over. The sand begins to fall. Days turn to decades, and yet time seems to crawl. Time is an illusion. Time will not stand still. It heeds not, obeys not, yet for one, it most certainly will. The great timekeeper, the creator of all things, as time seems to run out, has removed death's sting. Though eternal and timeless, he is with me now. Though strife threatens continuous, his presence calms, I know not how. 
His love consumes and brightens like nothing else can. And through troubled waters, he promised God's dwelling place is with man. This is our sure hope. He has come to seek and to find. So it is to him we cling, for he lays out the sands of time. And it, it, it struck me as I was writing that because it was on the heels of all of these things happening, how the reality is we get so caught up in today and in the mundane things of life that we are not looking for the thing, the, the great things, the, the beauty in life, the glory that exists in life, the relationships and the joy that can be had in relationships. And we don't savor those moments knowing that they will dissipate and go away at some point. What I wouldn't give and what, what you wouldn't give to have another day, you know, with, with my mom, with your mom. And it's, you know, the reality of life is death comes for us all. That is the reality. And so what, what all of all religion in my mind has to answer is what does it mean when we die? Is this, is this the end or is there something beyond? And if there is something beyond, what is it? And how does that impact me today? My opinion, Christian, Christianity answers that question far and above any other religion. And I think it does it uh, with a resounding uh, uh, answer. Uh, again, back to the victory cry at the cross. It is finished. This is the answer to death. Ultimately, is the resurrection and redemption um, of mankind ultimately to spend eternity with God. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I didn't grow up in a, in a very religious home. I mean, my, my parents, they, they believed in God and they, you know, we went to church occasionally, but it wasn't until really got involved in Rio Hondo where, um, it became more out there. It became more of a, an approachable subject really. And just kind of, you almost were living, living that Christian life without really being indoctrinated yet. Um, right. At least that was my experience. And so I got to ask you, John, as someone who has, uh, well, three teenagers now, um, is it a challenge? Well, you've already talked about their whole school situation, but is it a challenge really to, like anybody with their teenagers, we were all teenagers once, like you have your doubts, you have your emotions, you know, uh, you have these <laughs> you're, you're changing, yeah. uh, you're changing physically and emotionally, uh, you know, on a daily basis. So have you found that it's a challenge really for kids, teenagers really to accept this whole concept of Christianity of that there is something bigger than this world and that something that guides their, their value system? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, I think, Everybody, if they are honest, knows that there is something bigger and outside of ourselves that exists. Um, you know, there's people who say they are atheists don't live like a true atheist uh, because that would just yeah. mean that we are animal. It just means we're animals. 
which means there is no moral anything. Why, why would there be? And you, you can get into that philosophical kind of back and forth in that regard. Um, because really, if, if you're an atheist, well, then it's just about protecting the herd. That's it. You know, it's survival of the fittest. So, well, yeah, that's, that's what, you know, euthanasia and abortion and all of this, it falls right in line with, it's just survival of the fittest. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, well, I'm sorry. You know, and, and my thought is like on, on atheists or even a, in, in agnostic, whatever the term is, if you really believe this is it, this is all that there's nothing after this, I would think you would be living life to the absolute fullest. You'd be skydiving every other day. You'd be, uh, I don't know, doing, doing all kinds of crazy things instead of just going through the motions of life. Right. Exactly. Because, because aside from pleasure, what's the point? There is no, there is no purpose or point beyond personal pleasure. Why, why would sacrifice be a thing of value to an atheist? It doesn't, again, it doesn't compute. So, um, so as it pertains to the kids, uh, is it, is it difficult to number one, talk about religion? Um, No, because they know, we all know there's something, we don't know what. Now, people might think there is something outside of ourselves that is a God or something of that nature and still think that this life is the end. And, and that's, uh, but any, anybody that's rational can recognize with the design of life that there is something outside of us. So go ahead. I see a question well, coming. Well, that is where I think it might be your fault or, or all of our uh, faults is that we are depending on people to be rational, whereas society today, there's so much irrational. The rational is being kicked to the curb, and it's all about being irrational and, uh, you know, worshiping the planet or uh, worshiping. The, we, there are, you know, no other gods before, before me. Before I, I've read that somewhere. I don't remember, you know, but <laughs> it's, 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 John, it's true. I mean, it's funny how. You can be an atheist, yet we've created other gods. And I would honestly say that, uh, stone me if you want, uh, no pun intended, but I, I think this, this, this COVID craze, the, it has almost become a religion to people. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. You know, and, and it's inter- interesting the, uh, what you referenced a minute ago about um, all of the things that people will quote unquote worship is it it really has again if you go back to the the genesis account what was the the original sin if you will was the deification of self it was the serpent or satan coming to adam and even saying you can be just like god if you will eat of this fruit it's the deification of oneself and when you look at society today what is everybody doing it's you know, be true to yourself, speak your truth. It's your all of truth. these, right. Hey, what is that? What does that mean? Your truth. It, it means nothing <laughs> to the collective, but to the individual, if you can't be true to yourself and if you can't speak your truth, then you are stepping down from, from your position as a demigod, so to speak. Ooh. Yeah. And that, that is the reality is everybody wants to see themselves you know, I mean, you see all the things, you know, from uh, the very, you know, 
I saw a thing the other day about about fat shaming, and I watched it, uh, and it's it 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 breaks my heart because you have these people who the reality is it's not healthy to be fat. That's just real, objectively true. It is not healthy, and yet these individuals have been preached to to love themselves as they currently are. And to not desire anything beyond that, that they are who they are, and that's perfect, and that's fine. And this is, this is the exact opposite message of Christianity, which is, no, you are not fine who you are. You are destined for hell. That's the bad news. <laughs> but Christ on the cross said, it is finished. I'm here to rescue you. That's the good news, or the gospel, as they call it. You know, the gospel just means the good, the new, the good news. If if you cannot first accept the reality of your need, then you will never accept the reality of you are you have you have a savior on your side who is for you, who has done everything needed to gain you entry in. And then again, that goes right back to the very beginning of the conversation. Well, how do people drift? value it comes down to value what do you value and it has to do with your your perception of reality do i need or do i not need and if i don't need then stop preaching at me leave me alone i can do what i want to do because i am my own god yeah i mean can you imagine it's it's such a a dangerous precedent to set a a you know, doing, I think that started years ago. Hey, do what you feel, be who, be who you feel, you know, just, just, I mean, I gotta be honest, John, if, if I did exactly what I'll, I'll, I'll say it, I'll throw it out there. If I did exactly how I feel, if I live my life just to do whatever I want, uh, it's kind of dangerous. Like I, I know I'm able to self-examine myself and be like, my nature is not pure it's right. not good i mean I and think, nobody's is no nobody and, and, and i would say you know you know most men you know talking we're, we're both men and, and talking from a, a male standpoint like male nature is not necessarily pure and, and we have to constantly combat it and and there's there's better things you know if, if we do if we do those things but can you imagine i, I hate this oh just be who you are, embrace, embrace who you are. I hate that, that approach because can you imagine, take a guy who's a serial killer, a guy who likes murdering people and you just tell him, Hey dude, Hey, that's who you are. It's okay. That's an extreme example. I know, but we, you, 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 you gotta be able to con, 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 contain, restrain yourself from your nature at times. And I just don't think that's preached enough these days. No, and and it, and again, it it comes back to well, why should I restrain myself? Mm-hmm. And and the the Christian response is because you have been saved. You know, it, it, you know that section in Ephesians that I re- referenced about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That whole sec that second half of that book of Ephesians is all about behaviors. You know, children obey your parents. Wives submit to your husbands, which is different than being subjected by your husband. To submit is a willingness, willing, uh, a willingness to follow the leadership of somebody else. 
Uh, people get caught up in the. That sounds the, like toxic masculinity to me, to me, John. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of kind of a little little sidetrack. But when we were studying Ephesians in our in our home church, uh, and I typically have different people read uh, from from that particular section that day. I had my wife read that section. I thought it would be valuable for the group to hear it from her. <laughs> so, but, and I, of course, I jumped on it real quick. I said, all right, all right, all right. That's all well and good. But the thing is, if you have a, you know, the, the call of the wife to submit to the husband, immediately following that is the husband, love your wife in the same exact way that Christ loved the church. If the husband is sacrificing himself, in all aspects, on behalf of this woman, why would you not want to follow an individual like that? Yeah. Why would I mean that's a that's an easy yeah I'll follow that guy he's doing everything he's making all the right choices he's that's who I want to follow, and that's that's what, again it that's what Christianity ultimately is it's a you know the family structure itself is a microcosm of Christianity it's meant to display the gospel in practice. That's what it's for. That's what the God designed the family to be about. Um, anyway, um, I don't remember what we were talking about. I, guess I don't I, either. Dude, we're all over the place, but I'm fine with it. I knew it would kind of be this way and just kind of start start uh, start chatting about about these things. Uh, you were quoting the Bible. We went into toxic, toxic masculinity. We went into uh, uh, submitting. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, y- you know, it, it's interesting that so many people, okay, this is the greatest book that was ever written, right? And so many people want to look at it as like, oh, that's, you know, that that's uh, ancient values. Those, those don't, uh, those don't coincide with how we are today. The, you know, we need to, that, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't mean anything to today's world. Right. Whereas it's like, how far, how far back do you want to take that? Like, do you want to, it almost sounds like book burning in a sense, like, okay, this is the greatest book, the most valuable book that was ever written. Uh, where generations of societies have excelled because of its teachings. And now you want to push it all aside, flush it away because there's something in there that triggers you. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes, very much so. And, and again, I think it, I think it comes back to a society that has uh, again, preached the deification of oneself. And so why, why do I need why do I need a God to tell me what to do? I am, I am my own individual, again, demigod, so to speak. So I, I don't need this outside influence. That, that's really where it stems from. And, and they use the guise of, oh, it's outdated. Mm. Well, there's plenty of things that are outdated that are of great value. Plenty of things. So that's, that's not the real issue. The real issue isn't that it's outdated. The real issue that is that it, conflicts with their desire for themselves and what they want to do again back to our wants no it's a very good um topic the whole concept of wanting versus needing and the desires of your heart uh again versus thy will be done type of thing i mean uh even married you know a long time now i'm sure 
your desires, your heart, where to get married. And, and, you know, I'm sure you prayed about, you know, getting together with Stephanie, just as an example, really, um, it could be a job, could be anything where you pray, you seek out guidance, you want something to land in your lap, really, but uh, ultimately, thy will be done. At the end of the day, you lay your head on the pillow and you're like, okay, I prayed about it. I did everything I could. It wasn't meant to be, right? Right. And, and I think the, um, uh, you know, the natural, the human inclination is, is, well, I prayed about it and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Either I did something wrong or God failed me. One of the two. That's the typical human response. <laughs> and the, re- the reality is this. I mean, you see it happening all over the world today. Bad things happen. You know, that's just the reality. And that is the reality of a world that has pulled away from these, these things of God. And again, imagine, imagine if every husband out there loved his wife as Christ loved the church. Imagine if that were the, the real case. Would, would divorce be a major issue in our society? Probably not. Would it still happen? Sure. Yes. But if every husband did that, and if every wife was would submit to the leadership of their husband in that manner, I mean, you know, it, it, it comes. It the uh, I think it's later in that chapter it talks about see that the wife uh, should res- the the wife should respect her husband. Think about half of the fights that we have gotten into in our youth. Why was it? Because somebody disrespect. Oh, he disrespected me. That's messed up, and, and it and it turns into a fight. What happens on the it happens on the football field all the time. Yeah, he disrespected me. It's go time. So, <laughs> when when the Bible says for the woman to respect her husband, it's because it knows that a man needs that affirmation from his partner. Not that she is less than, because it's full. It would it would be fulfilling a need in the. At, that would be her form of sacrifice, if you will. And then if he turns around and sacrifices on behalf of her, you have this not vicious cycle, <laughs> uh, but a but a, a cycle nonetheless of in two individuals sacrificing on behalf of each other. And it becomes this upward spiral of a fantastic and beautiful relationship. I mean, that's the ultimate. That's what we all want. You know, as as I'm gaining this respect, you know, they say behind every great man is a great woman. That's why. That's why, because she is encouraging him and respecting him and pushing him forward to give him the confidence to then go out and do these other things. That's that magical partnership that exists between a husband and a wife. So. Uh, and I, and I, I, I am, I am blessed in that regard that I, I, I get somebody who, who does, uh, I, I say love me, but she loves me in that she respects me and, uh, she will willingly follow my lead. And it puts a huge burden and amount of pressure on me to go, I need to do this right for her. Oh and yeah. Again, and it creates this back and forth. You accept it that responsibility that's tremendous tremendous pressure knowing someone is counting on you right 
you know, and so you better make the right decision. And, and, right. and so, no, that's, that is so well said. Absolutely. It's not, it's not this, uh, what you're submitting, but it's not this ultra submissiveness. It's this, Hey, we're in this, you're the leader. You know, uh, one time I told, uh, my girlfriend, I told her, uh, when we were at another wedding and the pastor who's a major league umpire said, was challenged the groom to be a leader to be a leader in the relationship. And uh, we talked about that after, and she didn't necessarily like that at the time. But then like a year later, she was like, you know what? Cause I had told her, I said, you know, the ultimate compliment I think you could give me is that I, I was a leader. I was a leader in, in our relationship. And a year later she came to me and she said, you know, I told you one time that I didn't necessarily like what was said, but I get it now. I totally understand yeah. that. And you are a leader. And that was so inspiring to me when it happened it, right it, you're a you were a mile high right sent me through the roof absolutely I w- and then but to your point john i was like oh man what a tremendous responsibility now i i i, I gotta guide the ship the right way now and you know and we right. you know it's both of us driving usually but correct um but 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 man no it's, what a what an opportunity to have that to carry that responsibility which i think every every man should have that's uh yeah no, that, that, that's awesome. Um, maybe, maybe one of our final things here. Um, there's a lot of suffering going on around the world in our country. Um, COVID, homelessness, joblessness, uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, the inner cities. I mean, just look at a map, anywhere on a map, really. How do you, how do you John, explain faith to those who suffer daily? How do you go into Afghanistan when they've known nothing else besides uh you know famine and just this awfulness uh or or you go into i don't know chicago where there's murders every day how do you give somebody hope with religion with faith how do you educate them whereas their entire life has been like searching for something but at the same time just suffering right um let's see how do i do this without a cliche (laughs) (laughs) i like cliches um yeah, I love cliches and I love quotes, but that this is one that uh, I think requires a lot more. Um, so, number one, um, God's ultimate purpose in his saving of us, of sending Jesus, his ultimate goal in that is not our physical safety and pleasure his ultimate goal is our eternal safety and pleasure that is the ultimate goal that is what he came to save uh, because when he left the romans were still in charge mm. <laughs> and that was that was they th- you're here to save us right from the physical oppression and it's like no my kingdom is not of this world. Hmm. Ultimately, he came to save us for eternal safety and pleasure at his side. So um, in the, the book of Job, as an example, uh, there you have an individual who suffered greatly. Um, and at one point in the book, he starts questioning God like, man, I, I was doing everything. I was doing everything right. And God's answer was, okay, 
where were you when I created the world? Where were you when the mountains rose up out of the sea? Where were you? And he's basically saying, I'm, I'm God. I'm God. I know what I'm doing. So there's a little bit of the, the sovereignty of God that has to play into the equation. Again, assume, assuming that is what, what one believes. So if, if this is all true, and he is God, then he is sovereign, he is in control, he knows what he's doing. The other thing I think is, you know, suffering is intensely personal. Um, and it's very, very targeted in its, uh, in the way that it feels. It's, it's going to sound really silly, but when my gallbladder was acting up, and I couldn't sleep at night at all. I was in such pain. I couldn't find a comfortable position. There wasn't anything else happening in the world. Hmm. And that's just, a, that's just gallbladder pain. That's not, you know, my life is an imminent threat right now from, you know, like in Afghanistan, what's going on. So suffering is an intensely personal and intensely momentary. And it's hard to see beyond this one moment when it comes to suffering there is one recorded incident of jesus crying and it was when somebody was suffering it was the uh with lazarus you remember the story of lazarus jesus, jesus wept right the shortest uh verse in the bible we always memorize right. that one and i was uh, memorize one voice verse in the bible uh yeah but i for, but but i forget why he was weeping so educate correct us. so Jesus was in a neighboring town and his friend, Lazarus, and his, uh, I think it was his sister. Uh, anyway, there was the, the two women there that were with him. Um, and anyway, they send a message to Jesus. Hey, Lazarus is sick and he's dying. Please come. Well, Jesus waited. He didn't go. He waited three days. Lazarus dies. Then he makes the journey there. After he dies, he gets there. He knows what he's about to do. And he knows why he's about to do. He's about to raise him from the dead to display his glory to say, I'm God. I'm in control of life and death. He knows he's going to raise him from the dead. And yet Mary comes running out to him. Why weren't you here? You could have saved him. And it says Jesus wept. Why would Jesus cry in that moment if he knows in two minutes I'm going to call him up out of the tomb. Why did you just say, hey, Mary, relax. I got this. Ooh. Watch. Why did he cry? Hmm. Because she was in pain emotionally. He felt that. The God of the universe has empathy for our suffering. And it's easy to forget that because he seems so distant because we don't hear anything but a still small voice that isn't even really a voice. We forget that. But the reality is the God of the universe does care about our suffering. It says, uh, I can't think of where it is right now, but it says that he knows every tear we cry. He knows that. Mm. Mm. The book of Revelation talks about every tear will be wiped away and everything sad will become untrue. That's the hope that Christianity offers to somebody who is suffering is, yes, you are suffering. And yes, I'm going to cry right along with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, 
uh, I love that picture when when uh, when Pete was in the hospital bed and his wife is laying next to him in the mm-hmm. hospital bed. That is a picture of Christ-like love that says, "I'm going to lay down right next to you." You know, and and you you've seen that where somebody is suffering, you don't have to say a word; you just come alongside and you just hold somebody. Yeah, that's that is what God is like. And it, you know, uh, displayed ultimately in um, uh, Psalm 23, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death, meaning, hey, this is scary. I'm going somewhere that I'm unsure of. And it says, you are with me. Mm. You are with me. And there is a, a confidence that can come from that knowing that it's the God of the universe who is going to go into that dark place with me, knowing that he's leading me through it. Cause that's what a shepherd does. Yeah. So my, my favorite verse in the Bible, hands down, uh, Psalm 23, um, Dan, John, John, we, uh, we hit a lot today and you know what? I don't think we're out of time. We could keep going, but, um, I don't know. I kind of want to continue this conversation. I don't know when, but uh, I, I think next time we have a podcast, there'll be still plenty to talk about. And uh, we didn't even, uh, we, we tried to hit some of the things on here and this is just fun. I mean, it's fun to kind of have structure and have notes and just kind of brainstorm and have a conversation. I definitely love that. So uh, thank you for sharing so much today. I hope you didn't burn too much uh, paper with your, your preparation there. <laughs> No, we didn't even get to the anything that I wrote down. So, <laughs> wait, see, this is what you haven't learned yet. That 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 always happens. You have your your game plan, but you usually just freelance yeah. it anyway. Yeah, after the first play, it's all out the window anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a plan until they get until they get, get punched, punched in the mouth. That's yeah. right. Oh, that's right. You're all big on quotes, and you annoy your uh, you you annoy you annoy your yes. employees. If I remember correctly, yes, sports analogies and quotes. They they're tired of it. Well, if but they get tired of anyway. them, send them to me. I love them. I, I can't get enough of them, man. <laughs> Sports analogies are, uh, they, they keep the world spinning for me. So, uh, John, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, about My an pleasure. hour, man, hour 45. I, I, like I said, we oh, keep going. Wow. I know you got, you got a family to get, to get home to all that, uh, all that talk you were saying there, get home yeah. and, uh, <laughs> get home safe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good segue. Oh, good segue, man. Uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, late August here. This will be out the first uh, week of September. And uh, John, I just appreciate all the support, man. I really do. The constant interaction with me behind the scenes, uh, just giving, giving me support with all this. It, it honestly does help, helps keep me going because there's days when it's just like, oh, another podcast. I know I took a break a few weeks ago, but uh, this really is fun. And, and, and it, good i'm glad it is a blessing man it's a blessing for me to do this. yes i i haven't i have enjoyed many a podcast so uh don't don't think about quitting just yet i think you're doing a good job <laughs> thanks man i appreciate it um the game will be played already by the time we record but uh uh polly rio go rio man beat those panthers do you remember do you remember your record against, against polly by chance uh sophomore year we beat them in the I don't remember my freshman year, uh, sophomore year. We beat them in the regular season, lost in the playoffs on a 43 yard field goal. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah. I'm still burns, still burns. <laughs> um, 
and junior year, uh, uh, sad to say, I can remember the score. Uh, it was 81 to 32. Yeah, buddy. Whoa. We dropped 81 on him and we were, we were, the goal was a hundred when we went into the game. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 81 uh, points. What's up with the 32 though? What, what, what happened there? Uh, we went LMU. We didn't care if they <laughs> scored on occasion. <laughs> We're just oh, going. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 should have scored more, but there was a few occasions where Rick, uh, instead of cutting out to the corner, he turned in to hit somebody while he was running the ball. So sounds right. Uh, That's great. Yeah, you know, he wanted to run people over, and I <laughs> respect that when it's Polly. You know who was at our table uh, uh, for the Mr. Drain retirement was uh, Jeff Valdez and John Carrillo. I never really yeah uh, knew them much, but it was good to see them couple of warriors on the uh, on the offensive and defensive line those dudes were those dudes were hard I Valdez I to this day I'd never forget because because he was on the line you know you're not getting to hit as much per se and if somebody broke out to the to the edges Valdez is running towards the play yelling hold him up hold him up <laughs> no <laughs> true story true story <laughs> So that's fantastic. My yeah. kind of guy. I love that. Hold him up. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Oh well, uh, man, what a, what a group of guys. Um, and like I said, we're going to try to continue to get them all on. Maybe, maybe have each of those guys on here soon. Uh, uh, Bazuzzi yourself, uh, still working on Pete Clark. Got to get him on soon. And yes. uh, he's going to be a blast when we get him on here, but John, thanks. Definitely. Thanks for all you're My doing. Pleasure. Thanks for the support. Good luck with the, uh, the attack there in Oregon uh, with the school yeah. boards and everything. I, I know you'll get it done and uh, we'll have you back on in a few weeks, maybe to uh, give us an update on everything and just take, take your, uh, your Bible questions. If, if, uh, if nothing else. There you go. I'll, I'll be the, uh, the, uh, the anti Bill Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I can't wait for him to hear this. the anti Barnes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I told him the other day we sandwich him in between some uh, some good people during the week and he was yeah, like, we yeah, had, yeah. he was uh when, I can't remember what he said about uh, uh, Patricio Mr Taylor I can't remember what he said but it had me cracking up he's like yeah it was you had some religious guy on that uh, <laughs> you know the other weekend <laughs> it cancels out my uh, my yeah. uh, my uh, heathenism or something of that nature yeah oh we love Bill he he keeps it uh, keeps it fresh so. You gotta keep working on him john thanks again man thanks My for all pleasure. your support thanks for interaction and your content today this has been fantastic so uh definitely let's talk soon man definitely sounds good thanks matt take care well i say it often but that was an absolute pleasure sitting down with john lee to discuss uh well just life in general but uh also a lot of uh theological talk if you will some questions regarding uh, religion and faith i mean i absolutely enjoyed that i really really did and i hope we can do it again soon uh best of luck john in what he's pursuing in uh, up there in oregon with school boards and everything i think we should all be rooting for for john and other parents out there who are uh speaking up and doing what they can to combat some of the uh, the craziness that's going on in our schools uh, around the country so uh john an avid listener of the program really, really do appreciate him coming on here and, and spending some time with me. I hope to talk to him very, very soon. 
and uh, we'll have to get a few more of his classmates on. Just a, a great group of guys. Um, I know. I know John will be listening uh, every episode throughout uh, our podcast here. One of our top fans. If we do have a top fan, I don't know. It'd be between him and Will Tarico and Maynard Bajorquez. Uh, tough, tough to uh, tough to, to put those guys in order. Todd Carson as well. A lot of great listeners out there from the Get Home Safe podcast, and was just I was just overjoyed really to have John back here on the program, and we'll get him back soon. So more great episodes upcoming, guys. Happy September to everyone out there as this has been released on uh, the first Friday in September and hope everyone is uh, off to a good start here as uh, it is the fall, right? Maybe not officially, but you know, Labor Day, fall, fall hits. It's, it's, uh, it's the fall season. So uh, anyway, football is here and uh, hopefully we're talking about a real Hondo prep victory here upcoming uh, with their football season in full swing. But again, John Lee and to not just John, but his entire family, the Lee brothers, Mr. Lee, uh, John Lee senior, uh, much love and support to you guys and, and all you guys, uh, all you've done really for, uh, so many people, but also the program, real Hondo prep, the support of this podcast. Can't say it enough. I really do. Uh, I really do mean all that. So looking forward to more great guests upcoming. We'll continue to record in advance so that we can continue to put out great content for you guys. Uh, I remind you guys weekly, if I can, uh, our YouTube channel, of course, jump on there. If you want to watch these episodes, subscribe to the podcast, get home safe podcast is the official title of our YouTube channel and, uh, get home safe podcast. You can listen to pretty much anywhere. You listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever. So give us a like, give us a, uh, a comment, uh, that always helps with our content. And of course on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our email address, get home safe podcast at yahoo.com for uh, questions, maybe some topics, whatever the case may be, send them our way. We would love to hear from you guys, just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We'll be back on Monday with Mark Carson as we recap, hopefully another real Hondo prep football victory and look forward to the following uh, matchup uh, come upcoming uh, on Friday and uh, Wednesday is Bill Barnes, of course, on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in and Friday, hopefully a new guest upcoming uh, that continues to uh, the guys that continue to sit down and record with me. Sorry, a little tongue twister there, but anyway, looking forward to more, more great guests. That's enough out of me, John Lee. You were fantastic. Thanks again. Good luck up there in the Pacific Northwest guys. Have a great rest of your weekend as, and as always guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.